Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. I am your host, 12 Kyle. And once again, thank you for tuning in and checking out another edition of Dead End Sports. Uh, as always, man, we, we bring it to you raw and uncut sports just the way that you like it. Uh, we're going to offer up a dish of this week's, this past week's uh, sports. We're going to talk some national national football uh, as far as the playoffs are concerned uh, in the NFL. And of course, we're going to get into the national championship game between Clemson and Alabama. Of course, I will not be doing today's podcast alone. Joining me are my compadres. Uh, <laughs> you know them, dead in sports, dead in hip hop. Uh, the guys who need no introduction, so I'm not going to give them one. <laughs> First up, he hails from Detroit, living right here in the ATL, my man BZ430. BZ, what up, though? What's going on? Did my mic sound nice? My mic sound nice? I'm hey, good. Sound nice. You sound <laughs> nice. Right, sound like... Right. Uh, just making sure, you know, just making sure this bad boy sitting pretty, sounding right. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. And the other voice you hear is my man Ken. Ken, what's going on, player? Oh man, I'm I'm just living the life, man. Uh, slightly tired, man. Uh, you know that was a long national championship game yes. uh, last night, uh, which we'll get into in just a second. And um, I think I just want to go ahead and say this. You know, tonight is uh, Obama's giving his presidential address, man. He will be um, missed. Um, I know I will miss him him dearly, man. And it's it's sad that it's coming to an end. But look at the teams that have won championships in sports mm -hmm. since he's been in office. The Warriors got one. Cleveland got their first. The Cubs got one. Clemson just won their first championship in 35 years. Um, I'm pretty sure we can go go on and on, man. Uh, Dallas, the Mavericks got their first one yeah. um, mm -hmm. this year, man. And I just wanted to say that on this show tonight with him giving you know, his, his last uh, presidential address, um, to the world, and then of course, ten days uh, from here, uh, we'll be in in, uh, in in Trump apocalypse. And you know, again, just to piggyback on that point, man, I think one of the things that kind of, as you were talking, it that kind of stands out to me is that I remember teams winning their championships and going to the White House and visiting the president. But it's a little bit different when you when when the teams that have won over these past eight years because. You know, they have a president that actually, you know, that could relate and actually, mm. you know, knew a little bit about their sport and, and the players in the sport. So when the Miami Heat won, President Obama, because LeBron James had openly and endorsed, you know, then Senator uh, uh, Barack Obama, when LeBron James won his first title, when he visited him in the White House, you know, it was more or less of a, a kind of a relationship that had already been festered. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Ronald Reagan knew much about the Boston Celtics or the L.A. Lakers <laughs> when they came to visit. I'm going to just be honest. Uh, so I think that's one of the things that and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, from a political aspect uh, because of some of the uh, issues that, you know, this country had, uh, particularly during the election and post-election, uh, how these athletes and these champions handle going to the White House from here. Uh, Commissioner Adam Silver has mentioned that he would like to see the teams, con you know, his teams from the NBA continue to visit the White House when they become champions. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, as of this recording, 
I'm pretty sure that if the Cleveland Cavaliers win, uh, LeBron James is not going to the White House. <laughs> so we'll see how it plays out, man. But I, I echo your sentiments, Ken. Uh, I, I think President Obama has been uh, uh, tremendous. And I think his, I think he will definitely be even more appreciated uh, by the masses once he has left office for what he's done as opposed to, you know, some of the rhetoric that you hear on TV and radio. Yeah, and and I I think he was so plugged in, and I, that's really a good point about how he was able to relate culturally to the athletes that that were coming in because he understands and knows their struggle in a way that the other presidents um, were unable to. And then we had, you know, of course Tom Brady not not go, and we have players now, like you mentioned, talking about not going um, if, if they win. And um, and the other thing, the last thing I want to add is is what made it him so dope is that remember when they did the commercial and I saw this on Twitter where president, you know, the, the first lady went through and kind of uh, dunked the ball yeah. behind the way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, those are the moments that I, we won't get those again. Last night, as of the time of this recording, uh, we have a new national champion in college football. Uh, Clemson knocks off the great Alabama Crimson Tide and their legendary coach, Nick Saban. Clemson goes in, wins 35-31 to 31 in a classic game, uh, one of the best games that I have seen, um, one of the best games that I've seen, man, in, in all the years that I've been watching college football. So let's start right there, man. BZ, I'm going to throw it to you, man. Uh, what what was your overall thoughts on on last night last night's game, man? What 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 did you take away from it? Man, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> and I was uh, talking to Ken about this. It's crazy how I predicted this whole thing to play out, <laughs> which <laughs> which is always and Ken was questioning me why I was still picking Alabama, you know, to win it. Where I picked, I clearly picked Clemson to win in the rematch when we was doing like our preseason stuff. Or like our, you know, after last season was finished, how we thought next year was gonna go. Like, I saw this, I saw all this coming just because of the poise and the focus I've seen from Deshaun Watson from last year going into this year. But um, yeah, man, I mean, this I, I'm trying to remember. I think, like you said, Kyle, I think this was probably one of the most exciting college football games I've seen since the Texans and uh, USC game, Vince Young, when Vince Young like pretty much put the Longhorns on his back and carried him to a national championship the same year that I think uh, Reggie Bush had won um, Heisman and Vince Young was almost there. And he, he, that was his game to prove why he should have been the Heisman. And he put on a hell of a show, but um, yeah, Watson, man, just when you, when you think when that Alabama defense was getting ready to wear them boys down, it's like, okay, it's 14 zip, you know, Clemson can't get nothing going. It's like, you know, you just, you, you, you just waiting for just Clemson to just kind of like break down because of the, you know, the powerful defense of Alabama. The way they fought back against that, you know, that defense, that, you know, the so-called defense that everyone was so high on and, and saying it was grown man defense. And, you know, it's funny how people always try to hmm. – remember when people were saying, oh, Alabama can beat the Cleveland Browns. Like, <laughs> stop, people. Stop trying to put these college teams up against the so-called wackest NFL team because of their record. Those are grown ass men. Stop. But anyway, but yeah, it, just to see Watson really fight hard in that second half 
And you know, it was it was times where I think when the score was twenty four fourteen, I'm like, well, no, I think I think you know in the third quarter about to go in the fourth, I'm like, uh, I think you know I think Alabama might go ahead and, and run away with this, but next thing you know, here go Deshaun Watson making play after play after play, and I was just like, man, this dude, man, like. Goodness gracious! It it, it it was good. It was it was actually it was enjoyed. It was enjoy, enjoyable to see, man. I, I really enjoyed the game last night. Even though, like Kim, I was a little tired going to work today because I was <laughs> I was up so late. I watched that game to the tail end from the beginning all the way to that damn that big dude doing the damn splits. I don't understand that. Anyway. Why didn't you pick him, B? Why didn't you pick Cleveland uh, Clemson? You called this whole scenario, dog. I, I hey, know, wait. man. That, that's just, hey, hey, like as we as we text each other, and I'm watching the game. Like the minute Clemson won, I had like about maybe five or six uh, tweets from people saying, "Man, B, you called this whole damn thing. Like you, <laughs> like you Nostradamus or something. You busy, you you busy dot or whatever. How they kind of intertwine my name. I was like, man. I said, I know, man. I think you know what it was, Ken. I just got, I got. I got blinded by Alabama's defense, man. Like, I, I, you know, I was just like, man, I think that deep. And like I told you, I think Clemson, to me, offensively, Clemson was better last year. And I felt like they took a small, a little step back offensively this year. Um, so that's why I kind of got caught up. I got caught up. I, I can admit it. I will admit when I was wrong. I got caught up in, the, in you know, I'm like, well, damn, Clemson's not as, as, as explosive as they was last year offensively. I don't know if they're going to handle this Alabama defense. I got caught in. I got caught up. I got caught up. No doubt, no doubt. Also joining us, man, like as I mentioned at the top, our boy FIFO. FIFO, what's going on, man? Yo, what it do? Chilling, man, chilling. So I got to ask you, man, last night, man, the Crimson Tide, the vaunted Alabama defense, you, you heard all the accolades, Nick Saban going for championship, I think it was number, what, seven, I think, that what he was going for? Undefeated uh, in national championship. Right, undefeated, exactly. Great point, Ken. Uh, so FIFO, right there, man, what, what's, your, what's your take from last night, man? You know, it, it was a great game. It, it, it was an amazing game. In the first couple minutes, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is so over for Clemson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, Deshaun Watson and the Clemson Tigers, man, they, 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 they stayed with it. They stayed with it. And eventually they was able to finally catch a rhythm offensively, and it threw Alabama off kind of like it did last year. I'm talking about, man, these guys had back-to-back 400-plus uh, passing yard games yeah. against the Alabama Alabama Crimson Tide, man, that's not easy to do. But I also think that that has been Saban's kryptonite. It is yep. these, these mobile quarterbacks that can make plays in and out of the pocket. And we saw what happened with Manziel. We see obviously what's happened with Deshaun Watson two two times in a row. I think Chad that Kelly. Chad Kelly, we 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 saw we we're gonna have to start looking at Saban as if he is the we have to question if he's truly the greatest coach, and, and the reason why I say that is is because I think this one, last one kind of put a little chink in the armor, even however they still won. This one is kind of like you have weaknesses in addition to not developing a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I can't remember um, who's the quarterback that, that that that's playing right now for him. Jalen Hurts, the freshman. Jaylen He's a true freshman. True freshman. He has not progressed throughout the season. Mm-hmm. He should have been playing at a higher level. And and then remember last week I was talking about how now they have this pre-built-in 
way of, of, of excusing it because Sarkeesian was in there calling plays. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think Sarkeesian could have hurt them. I think we have to question that move by Nick Saban now. Um, I didn't think overall it was going to hurt them. You know, I kind of dismissed it. But his, you saw that the play calling was very, 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 very conservative. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the offense wasn't better. It wasn't necessarily worse. So I'm not going to put it all on lane, but I'm happy for the Sean Watson. We all texted that last night. I, I'm, I'm extremely happy for him. Happy, happy to see a brother, you know what I'm saying, make it. So I'm, I'm taking my Ken stance over here with that. But um, but great game, man. Great, 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 great game. And another thing, too, for Dabo. He's the first coach ever to beat Urban Meyer and Nick Saban in back-to-back weeks, man. That's kind of mm. crazy. Wow. Wow, wow. That's, that's, a, that's a stat right there. Uh, what about you, Ken, man? What's your overall thoughts on, on what you saw last night? I, I picked Clemson to win, and, and part of that was really just the narrative that, that – that B laid out um, last year because uh, I really wanted Clemson to win last year and it didn't happen and, and B kind of talked me off the ledge. And while Clemson played down to their competition at times um, this year, uh, you know, I heard Skip say this, they were just kind of going through the motions. And if you think about that, we've seen that happen with basketball mm-hmm. teams where they just want to get to the playoffs and then they kind of turn it up a notch. And we saw them take it up a notch when they smashed the Buckeyes. We're talking about Urban Meyer. They shut him out. And here, here they are. And, they, and, and they're not being silent about any of this. They're letting it be known that they want Alabama. So they're not afraid of the challenge. They welcomed the challenge. They wanted it. That says a lot. But then the, the lights came on and they got punched. They got punched in the mouth. And when, it was, when they were down 14 nothing. I tweeted. I thought it was over. And there was something that Shannon said on his timeline. Is he, and, and, and LeBron has said this, too. He said this when he was in Miami. He said they just worked the game. And what they were doing earlier, early in that game where it just kind of you, you're kind of wondering what they're doing offensively with some of the plays that they were calling, they were just working themselves into the game, working themselves into the game, and finally they got one. You know, and they, they scored and momentum shifted. In that fourth quarter... Deshaun Watson went to another level, 9 of 10, 102 yards, a touchdown, two back-to-back touchdown drives while trailing. And Alabama just had a big play to give them the lead, and he welcomed the challenge, much like Wentz. He was like, let's go get it. Let's go be legendary. And you want guys like that. And he went down, and he marched them down, and they scored again. And you you made some great points, Ken. Um, I think – a couple of things stood out to me. Uh, Clemson dominated this game. And and I think, like, we, we talk, and it's interesting because of, of the four of us, Ken, you were the only one who picked Clemson to win. I said in order for Clemson to win, they couldn't turn the ball over because Alabama automatically turns turnovers into points. But I found it to be interesting that we looked up at halftime, Alabama, excuse me, Clemson had two turnovers, but Alabama had only gained three points from it. And so you look at the scoreboard and you're only down, uh, I think Clemson was down, what, 14-7. So, uh, so, you know, they hadn't really converted or anything like that as far as the turnover. They didn't turn turnovers into points um, in the second half or anything like that. Uh, what Clemson was able to do was they just warmed down. And it was, I'm looking at the box score. 
Clemson ran 90-plus offensive plays. You can't win. If you, if you plan to win a football game, you can't win like that. I mean, there's no way that you can win. Clemson had 511 total, total yards on offense. Deshaun Watson, 40, 420 yards. He was 36 for 57 for 420 yards. Now, Clemson only rushed for 90, 91 yards. Um, I think Bo Scarborough's injury uh, was very key. I think him going out of the game definitely hurt Alabama. Um, and subsequently, they made Clemson's defense made Jalen Hurts look like a freshman. Uh, he 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 looked rattled at times. Uh, they blitzed the hell out of him, and he ended up throwing a lot of passes away. Uh, Alabama in the fourth in the, in the second half had eleven straight possessions where they had to kick a, where they had kicked the ball where they they couldn't convert first downs. I mean that's crazy. Eleven straight possessions where you're not turning the sticks over. You can't. That's not winning football. And so, Clemson subsequently ended up running more plays. And those big guys up front, they were leaning on, you know, Alabama's defense. And defensively, if you run ninety plus plays, you can't get off the field. So you're going to be tired. I remember one sequence where Alabama, Clemson had like a seven or eight play drive. They ended up having to kick. Alabama gets the ball back. Jalen Hurts goes on offense. He throws two incomplete passes, and they have a rush for two yards. That time of possession was only 37 seconds. So you mm-hmm. so you have your defense on the sideline for 37 seconds. Now they got to go back out there. If you look at those last two drive, the drives that Clemson had, Watson, they were trying to blitz Watson, but they couldn't get to him. Those DBs and D linemen and linebackers were tired. Think about it like this. Alabama's all-world linebacker, Ruben Foster, he was everywhere in the first half. You didn't yep. hear from Ruben Foster in the second half. I think nope. he had one tackle in the second half. One. He couldn't – he was – I mean, these guys were – they were done. They were they were spent. And so I think ultimately, you know, a lot of credit has to go to Dabo Sweeney. A lot of – even more credit has to go to Deshaun Watson uh, for playing the game that he played. And I agree with B. I think – this for me, uh, this game isn't as big as as Texas versus uh, USC, but I think it's definitely in the top five as far as finishes. Uh, great game coming down to the final play. Um, speaking of which, the final play for those of you listening and and, and watch the game, it, it wasn't a pick. <laughs> I know people <laughs> say it, it was a, he ran an illegal. It wasn't a legal pick. If you look at the replay, yeah, if you look at the replay, the receiver goes to actually run a pick but he starts to fall and when he starts to fall the defensive back pulls him down well at that point he creates a lane for Renfro to sneak into the uh to the sideline so you know that was it was like it was pitch and catch I mean it was that was a layup basically for Deshaun Washington and uh, Renfro um but just like I said just looking at the stats man I mean Clemson had one two three four receivers with 90 plus yards receiving that never that never happens in a football game. Never. Um, so, yeah, between Renfro, Kane, uh, Mike Williams was huge, huge. Uh, Jordan Leggett, uh, he was huge as well. Uh, I think it's a different ball game if Bo Scarborough, the all-world running back for Alabama, didn't get hurt. But, you know, you got to tip your hat to Clemson, man. They they out Alabama to Alabama, <laughs> if you will. So I, I, I think you, you have to – 
And it says a lot because, you know, Dabo Sweeney talked about how he wanted to uplift the program and bring the program to this level. I mean, you beat the you beat two giants in Ohio. I mean, when have we seen an Urban Meyer team get smoked to the point where just last week we were talking about did Ohio State even belong on the same field as Clemson? They they embarrassed them that bad. And, you know, they where it looked like, like Ken said earlier, it looked like uh, Alabama was going to run away with this game. Clemson hung right in there, and then they just started pounding them, and ultimately they won the game. So before we move on to the NFL talk, I want to ask you guys one more quick question about this game. And, people, I'll start with you. If you had to put blame in anywhere, I know you mentioned Sarkeesian, you know, being the offensive coordinator. Uh, of course, we know Lane Kiffin was uh, subsequently fired last week. But if you had to lay blame, who, who gets the blame for this for this loss, if you will, or who gets the credit for the win? Either one. How, how would you? How do you see this? Uh, blame for the loss. It has to. It has to be on Nick Saban. He gets a lot of credit for being the best head coach ever in college football history. Mm-hmm. So you got to give him the blame as well when things don't go right. When you like, like a couple of things that I mentioned. When you look at all of the quarterbacks that he's had at his time in Alabama. He hasn't gotten a top-notch quarterback, and he hasn't developed a quarterback into being a top-notch quarterback either. We have not seen the progression at that position. We can also say that he needs to figure something out with against these high-powered offenses and quarterbacks that are multiversal. He has struggled in the past. So we have to look solely at Nick Saban. This is the challenge that they wanted as well. Don't get it twisted. Even though they won the championship, it didn't it wasn't like they were just resting on their laurels. They wanted Clemson. They wanted to prove that they had the best defense. I think it was kind of like for 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 a coach kind of like an ego thing to be like, "Look, I hang my hat on defense, and this squad put over 400 yards passing on me. That's not going to happen again if we see them, and we want them to prove that. What happened? And it happened again, and this time they happened to lose. So we got to blame Nick Saban overall for the coaching change, for non-development of certain positions, for allowing Clemson to run 90 offensive plays. That, to me, is on Nick Saban. Now, who wins it? I think it primarily falls on Deshaun Watson. The fact that Alabama came out and smacked Deshaun right in the mouth at the beginning, we all saw it. The Mm -hmm. man was rattled. His cage was rattled just a little bit. But he had to get it right. And we know if Deshaun had a bad game, Clemson has zero chance of winning that game. So for him to rally back, get under control, make one of the best throws I've seen all week. And and I know we're going to get into the Green Bay thing because that boy Aaron Rodgers is crazy. But Deshaun Watson had that throw rolling to his left, fading a little bit to his left. And he put a lot of mustard on that throw to that tight end to to, to get them down in Mm -hmm. position before. Oh, that that was pretty too. Perfect spiral. You saw the arm strength and the ball placement. It was either going to be an incomplete or a catch. He put it where his receiver had to make a play. To me, Deshaun Watson is the primary reason why Clemson won that game. And to me, the primary reason why Alabama lost that game was because of Nick Saban. Okay, okay. 
Ken, what about you, man? Uh, if you had to give credit and blame, where where does it go? Well, I'm I'm, I'm with FIFO. We're, we're talking about Saban, who all week long, all we heard about was defense. That's coach. You know, this is what he does. But the fact is, Bama scored 21 points. They scored 14 points with less than five minutes to go in the game. Mm -hmm. And they don't give up and, 21 points sometimes in a game, let alone the right. fourth quarter. Right. So, and, and he didn't make any adjustments on that last call. It was similar to the call where Mike Williams scored. And he didn't call a timeout and make any type of a defensive adjustment on that. He let it play out. Hurst deliver plays um, in actually spots where you kind of want your guy to make plays. Um, when Cleveland, when Clemson cut it to three, and when Clemson went up uh, to take the lead in the fourth quarter, he responded. He wasn't good the whole game, but he responded when he needed to respond. I'm totally with FIFO when he says that they did not develop that guy all year. Saban relied on that defense to create turnovers and score off turnovers, and it came back to bite them when they needed Hurts to step up and deliver. He's a freshman. Uh, he should only get better, I hope. Um, as far as credit, I think that, for me, um, it has to be Dabo. They wanted to run 80-plus plays against Alabama. So when everybody looks at the 99 snaps, that was part of his strategy, his his game plan on how they were going to win this game. Hey, man, Watson, 9 for 10, 102 in a touchdown, two touchdowns with less than five minutes. I mean, come on, man. Y'all saw that, man. That, that was special, man. Mike Williams, Leggett, they made plays when they needed to make plays. And um, and they all deserve credit for that. Uh, Watson's leadership and, and Dabo's game plan. Piggyback off Ken, I think the uh, coach Clemson uh, and Watson, I think clearly, clearly that second half, you know, Watson, Watson saw he 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 knew he knew the opportunity that that was presented in front of him, and he knew he had to take advantage of it, and he had to come back and get that win. You know, they had them, he had to make it a game. So I I, I definitely say Watson is is the reason. Watch coaching and Watson is is the reason why they won that game because Watson. You know, almost did like a Vince Young. Put the team on his back, like like Ken said. Now, huddle, let's be legendary. Let's go out there and let's get this championship. And that's what they did. So I I, I have to give it all to Watson. Watson was 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 pretty incredible last night. It was it was it was it was great to watch and witness that and, and see live. You know, as, as the game unfolded and seeing them still fighting, fighting and fighting and come back every time Alabama made a play. Watson come back and say, okay, I'm about to come back and make a play. And yeah. I, I gotta give it. To, I gotta give it to that coaching staff and Watson, man. They, 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 they did their thing, man, for real. Hey, B, what, what he say? What he tweet out? I don't know if you, you saw it, right? Yeah, he said, if I ever play, if I ever get a chance playing, it was this was in 2012. He said, if I ever get a chance playing the national championship game, I'm gonna go ham. And <laughs> like, like, that, like that tweet is, you can appreciate it because based off last year national championship and this one. He was going ham. Like, he really – you can tell Watson laid it out all on the line and was like, look, I'm about to give it my 100,000% out there, and no one can deny that. And we can't deny it. We cannot like, – even though, like I said, even though last year he came up just short, but Watson bought out. Watson was a star to show that game. Like, he was still the star even in the losing effort. 
So coming back this year, the way he brought this team back and made big plays when they count the most, yeah, you, you, you can't. That tweet is, is 10 times is more special now because that's what you know. He went ham. He, he gave, he let it out in the field. He also had another one that, that Q tweeted out where he said, uh, he said, I'm a real nigga or something like that. Oh, shit. What? You know what? You know what? When, when I found that, and it's, it's it's amazing. I think somebody dug this one up. Um, he mentioned during his recruiting process, he tweeted out that he thought it was funny that Mike Bobo, the former offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia, uh, didn't think he was good enough to play at Georgia, which is mm-hmm. mind-boggling because Deshaun Watson. For those of you who don't know and not really familiar with his his story, but Deshaun Watson grew up in a town called Gainesville, Georgia. Gainesville is a northern, it's north of Atlanta, but it's only maybe about 40 miles from the University of Georgia campus. So people were surprised that after Deshaun Watson led uh, his high school team to the state title, how he ends up in Clemson and not the University of Georgia. Well, the offensive coordinator at Georgia at the time, who was up under uh, former Georgia coach Mike Mark Richt, who's now at the University of uh, uh who's now at Miami, uh, Mike Bobo basically said, well, I don't think he's good enough to play quarterback at Georgia. And subsequently, you and look at said, what... And he said he don't like, quote-unquote, dual-threat quarterbacks. Anyway. Precisely. And you look at what Georgia has... And the University of Georgia, year in and year out, has players. But look at what Georgia has been at the quarterback position yep. over these last they four or five had, years. They and look at what this dude. That's yep. I tell people all the time, Deshaun Watson not being at the University of Georgia is one of the reasons why Mark Rick is no longer at the University of Georgia. They they haven't developed quarterbacks. They get these big, tall quarterbacks that, you know, are standing in the pocket type guys. And at some way, shape or form, the game is evolving to the point where you need. I'm not saying everybody has to have a Vince Young or, or, or Deshaun Watson, a guy that can scramble or Robert Griffin, the third. But you have to – when you have defensive end that defensive ends that run four four forties, if you're a statue in the pocket, you're going to get him killed. You know, you got to be able to move around. Um, but the last point on the on the national championship game, I, I give all the credit to Deshaun Watson. I think he he played out of his mind. I mean, his numbers were crazy. And he, he – like FIFO said, he got rattled. He got rocked. We saw him get spun around in the air. Uh, but I think one of the things that was very telling to me, and if you guys get a chance, anybody listening, get a chance to go back and watch, watch that final drive. He has the most coolest expression on his face. Like I, and even as you're watching it, you're thinking like, okay, Clemson's about to run out of time, but he never, he never panicked. And I think that is what NFL scouts need to see because when you can run a, a, a great two-minute drill, that's what's going to make your bread in the NFL. And I know we got a lot of time between now and the time that the NFL draft draft happens. Uh, you know, there's rumors that this uh, that the kid from North Carolina is supposed to be the number one quarterback or whatever like that. I think a lot of times NFL scouts fool themselves by going with you know what a guy does at a combine or how he does how he looks in shorts. At the end of the day. The eye in the sky don't lie. Look at the film. I mean, this guy was, you know, some will make the case that he should have won the Heisman. I mean, his coach has been bumping for him to win the Heisman, even after it was decided that he didn't win the Heisman. Uh, but 
the honest guy don't lie. Look at what he did to shred uh, two of the best defenses in college football, period. So I, I give him the credit. I don't necessarily fault uh, Nick Saban totally. I fault the Alabama uh, coaching staff because I think I, I don't think that they made the adjustments that they made that they needed to make. Uh, it looked at, at times last night like they were looking for the kill shot. And, you know, they threw a couple of haymakers early with Scarborough and those runs. But like Ken said, if you take away those, I mean, I think Scarborough still had like 90-something yards rushing, but, you know, 50, 60 of those came on on two runs. Outside of that, Scarborough was pretty much contained. And they said, you know what, Jalen Hurts, we're going to make you beat us. We're going to blitz the hell out of you. And, and I don't think that they made the adjustments that they needed to make. And their defense was gassed. And if you go back and look at the highlights, you know, they didn't call timeouts. They didn't try to, you know, kind of relieve the defense as much as they could. And they did not. And, you know, throwing the ball on first and second down, uh, getting behind the sticks for Alabama, I thought was was bad for them because it it allowed Clemson to get back on the field and eat up more clock. And I I don't think that they ever adjusted. So I think Saban deserves some blame. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> dump on Saban. I think he's still a great coach. Uh, his record speaks for itself. But I think Sarkeesian, I thought Sarkeesian called a pretty good game. I don't, I, I mean, you can't call a much worse game than what Lane Kiffin called a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but that being said, I think their defense, I can't remember the name of the defensive coordinator, but uh, I don't think they did enough to get guys in, in, in space and in, to make plays. And again, Guys like Ruben Foster, they they were gassed. I mean, we we heard about how this born of defense was. Clemson put up 500 yards on them. I mean, like that's unheard of. And like Ken said, Alabama. I don't. I'd have to go back and look. I don't know how many games Alabama's given up 21 points in the entire game. To give up 21 points in the fourth quarter says a lot about the offense on the other side of the field. Um, so yeah, man, there it is, man. The national championship is over. Uh, we look forward to the college football season next year. Uh, if you are like us, we broadcast live from the city of Atlanta. Uh, next year, man, it kicks off at the new Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. Uh, the opening kickoff weekend, number the presumable number one Alabama Crimson Tide will be facing off against the presumable preseason number two Florida State. So, I mean, hey, it's no rest for the weary. The, the college football season kicks off in a major, major way. Uh, trust me when I tell you, Dead End Sports will be at that game. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, let's move on to the NFL. Uh, Wild Card Weekend was, you know, pretty uneventful, uh, except for one little thing. I, I think probably the biggest story from Wild Card Weekend didn't even happen in the game. We 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 texted about it and we tweeted about it, but I want to get you guys' opinion on it. Um, much was made about the trip that Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Sterling Shepard and Victor Cruz, uh, the Giants players, made on their day off. They, they took a trip to Miami, uh, boarded a plane, I'm assuming a private plane, flew to Miami, hung out with a couple of guys. I think Bieber was hanging out with them. And, you know, they took some posted pictures on Instagram and they were on the boat, no shirts, jeans, Tim's, you know. Uh, Eli, you know, they asked Eli Manning about it. He joked and said, you know, they, he didn't think that they had the proper wardrobe, but, you know, nobody made any, you know, nobody had a, a problem per se as according to him in the Giants locker room with these guys uh, taking this trip. Now, subsequently, the game comes out there at Lambeau Field Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's about two degrees. And next thing you know, uh, Sterling Shepard, um, 
Victor Cruz and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. in particular are dropping passes. Uh, I think I saw Sterling Shepard drop one touchdown pass. I saw uh, Odell Beckham Jr. drop one. I think Beckham might have had three or maybe like three drops. Uh, Nonetheless, to say that they were off is an understatement. The Giants looked bad all across the field. Uh, So I'll start right there with you, B, man. Did they make more out of it? What, What was your take on them making this trip and then subsequently not playing well at all? Yeah, if if Giants would have won this game, that photo would have been a ghost forgotten and and all. I mean, I think everyone was was thinking this, you know, but picture for me it wasn't no big deal. I I, I don't have an issue of you doing whatever you want to do on your day off. If you have the means and the money to do that, to fly and take a nice boat trip on in 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 the warm climate, get away from the cold New York City or whatever <laughs> cuz you're getting ready to play in Lambeau Field. We know how cold it is up there around this time of the year. So, you know, if they want to do that on their off day, yeah, fine, whatever. Only reason why this is being talked about is because they got spanked. <laughs> and, like, not only they got spanked, like, I don't even think if I'm, Odell Beckham's numbers wasn't, it wasn't like Odell Beckham had, you know, 10 receptions for 148 yards. Like, mm-hmm. his his numbers was, was, was very mediocre to, like, bad. You know what I'm saying? So, that's the only reason, in my opinion, this is being brought about, you know, being brought up. I, I, I just, I'm like, well, okay, they took the picture. Well, big deal. We in the social media age, so, of course, stuff like this is going to be magnified. And it's a playoff game as well. So, you know, of course, people are like, well, you just need to focus on the playoffs and everything. Okay, Odell Beckham numbers was four. <laughs> four receptions for 28 yards. So, yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, you you the star of the squad. <laughs> You know, you take that picture and you go for four receptions for 28 yards. Yeah, that's why that's going to be questioned. Now, if they would have still won the game, like I said, regardless of Odell Beckham's number, he could have had one reception for 15 yards. And if they would have won that game, no one would ever bring back up that picture. But I knew when that picture got, when that, when, he, when, they, when they broadcast that picture on social media, I was like, okay, so here we go. People making a big fuss of it a little bit because it's a playoff, upcoming playoff game. If they lose this game, the, the, I guarantee you it's going to come back to that picture. And, of course, they got their butts whooped, and it's coming back to that picture. But, in my opinion, I don't find nothing wrong with it. Of course, you know, of course the competitiveness in me would be like, okay, this is playoffs, you got to lock in. But you know what? If that's your way to go and relax and kind of like get a chance to refocus and, and you know, get set, get ready, set for the B. playoffs. B. Look, man, I, I, I'm done. I'm done listening to you pacify. <laughs> yeah, look, I need. To, I just need to shut it down right mean, in there. No, no, because no, it's not that way. It's long. Because long, 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 you don't win long enough, TD Jakes. You don't win long enough, TD Jakes. <laughs> look, look. I I agree with you in a sense that that if you have the means, do whatever you so wish to do. But understand that there are consequences for everything, even if. It's not something that's major. Now, yep. my biggest thing is this, and I 1,000% agree with Shannon Sharp. Do you typically go to Miami on your off day before the start of your week? Is that mm. something that you routinely do? Mm. Stick with your routine. This is your first playoff appearance. You are on the trajectory of being the greatest wide receiver to play the game. You see what I'm saying? That comes with responsibility. Odell Beckham needs to understand that there is a responsibility with everything that he has. 
everything that was given to him, everything that he's worked for. And to me, I don't think because he went to Miami on his off day is the reason why he had a bad game, but I think it contributed to the reason why he had a bad game. Because as soon as he did that, it was a topic of conversation. It was a distraction. As soon as he missed that first catch, mm-hmm. it's in his head. He's human. I don't care what nobody says. Being human, B, you play basketball. You know sometimes you get tight. It's five seconds to go, and you down two, and you got three free throws. You got three free throws. You already know you get tight. When you've already, when you're being scrutinized, and he's in New York, so it's the biggest media market. He's being scrutinized before the game even starts. He comes out there with his shirt off, talking about he's all tough. This cold weather ain't gonna do nothing. Right. You know me. I'm I'm the one for the bravado. Back it up. Back it up. And that's what he didn't do. So it looks bad. It compounds it. It compounds it. So at the end of the day, follow your routine. If you eat peanut butter and jelly for breakfast, then you eat eggs for dinner, or do whatever you do, especially <laughs> before the biggest game of your life. This is essentially like his Super Bowl. This is the biggest football game of his life. First playoff appearance. First playoff. Why are you going to do something that's different? I understand relaxing, taking a load off, doing this, doing that. But B, we know in Miami what they was doing. Them boys Mm. had blunts in their head. They played (laughs) for the NFL. And some of those people had had blunts in their hand. In their head. While taking a picture. So you already know how the level of respect that they have for their job, for the organization, to go out there and do that. Now, I understand partying, like Jalen Rose says, champagne and campaign. I get it. Do it once you have achieved something or when your season is over. So I think that's that's the biggest thing is that it's a distraction. Did it cause him to miss... Those targets, no, but I think that it started to get in the back of his head and it got worse. It got, look, man, Odell has one of the best set of hands on a wide receiver that we've seen almost ever. We Like the stuff he does, we have not seen. So for him to miss the easy targets, it's very unlike Odell. So now we have to look as to why. The only thing that's changed is you going to Miami. Uh, you know what? I, 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 consequences. I think that's really what this is all about. You have to deal with the consequences of your actions if things don't go yeah. as planned. And, and and that's why, like B said, that's why we're talking about it. You know, I, Romo went on a vacation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Brady admitted that he goes on vacations. Right. Um, and Romo's was publicized and people didn't really... Criticize right. That's work. that's what made T.O. cry. Yeah, until they yeah, <laughs> playoff until they, game though, Ken. Huh? Playoff game before playoff game. Your first yeah, they were game about, they had yeah, a bye week. They had a bye before week. the Super Bowl, huh? No, this nah, was, was this was before, before the uh, divisional playoff, and uh, that was the that was the the, the famous uh, infamous uh, moment where T.O. was crying after Dallas was eliminated. He was crying about people criticizing Romo for going to Cabo with uh, Jason Witten. Go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and no, nah, and, and I was uh I was critical of, of Romo doing that. It was like, come on, man, you gotta be getting ready for the game. Um same thing with Odell Beckham. 
Uh, and, and back to the drop pass is what FIFO was saying. Steve Smith said it today that once you drop that first pass, it, it, you think about it. At that point, when he dropped that third down pass, we're like, uh-oh. I hope that didn't affect him. And then he dropped the touchdown, and then he dropped the other pass, blah, 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 blah. We all know what happened. Um, but for me, man, and, and, you know, this is kind of relatively quick for me, man. I'm just going to go with what Chris Carter said, man. Like, for me, I, I didn't play in the NFL. Um, a lot of people and the media pundits out there talking didn't, didn't play in the NFL. Um, but Shannon Sharp and Chris Carter did. And some other people that we've heard from did as well. And to them, this is business as usual. This is kind of what happens. This is kind of what they do. Because it's Odell and it's New York, it's a big story. And the performance afterwards is a big story. Uh, you know, I, I think, man, the three of you made some – and I, I, it's hard for me to say that anybody's wrong. Um, I actually agree with all three of you, and, and here's why. I think that, first of all, I don't – when I'm off, I don't want anybody telling me how I should spend my off day kicking it. I right. mean, personally – I like to go hit some golf balls on my off days, but I don't want anybody outside of my wife and sometimes not even her telling me what the hell to do on my day <laughs> off. It's my day off. I've earned it. Uh, with that being said, I understand that no, nobody's depending on me on my day off as, as if, you know, unlike Odell Beckham Jr., where he's got 52 other guys that are depending on him to do his job. I will say this much. If we're in the social media era. So at first I thought about it. I was like, well, did they really have to take the picture? And I thought right. about it. I was like, well, dude, it's, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's got a camera. So even if they did not take the picture, somebody on a boat would have taken a picture. Somebody would have taken a selfie or paparazzi would have taken it. I mean, because Bieber was on the boat. So, you know, paparazzi couldn't have been too far away. Um, with that being said, I think you just, uh, he has to understand that he opens himself up to a level of criticism when you do certain things like that. So here's the thing. No, it was his off day, but much like I agree with FIFO, where's Miami going? I mean, you know, he's got money. He can go to Miami at any point in time. Now, and I'm not telling Odell Beckham Jr. where and when to go and how he should do whatever he does. He's a grown man, do what he wants to do. But at the same time, I always kind of go back to what Dan Marino said his rookie year. You remember Dan Marino as a rookie quarterback went to the Super Bowl and he said, you know, he really didn't appreciate it because he just thought, okay, hey, I'm a rookie. I'm in the Super Bowl. Now he ended up losing the Super Bowl, but he thought to himself, yo, I'll be back next year. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes these players just assume that. And, and we all know Marino never got back. He never got back to the Super Bowl. So, you know, like Ken said, Odell Beckham's 23 years old. He doesn't know. you. We assume that just because you make it to the championship game or you make it to the NFC or AFC championship game, or if you make it to the playoffs, for that matter, that your team is going to come back the following season. It don't work like that. Look at the teams that we just saw last year in the Super Bowl, Denver and Carolina. Where are they? They're at home. You know, you, it, it, it's so many things that happen during the offseason, and there's you can't assume that you're just going to be back there the next year. Now, I would implore him to do whatever it is he wants to do, but understand that that stuff comes, it comes at a cost. And that's what they call the price of fame. So, you know, if you want to go kick it in Miami, 
cool. Just understand that there's going to be a level of scrutiny that comes with that if you don't perform. As a receiver, when he dropped the pass, then Shepard dropped the pass, it was like an epidemic. Everybody started dropping passes. Now, I will say this much. There was not one defensive back and one defensive lineman on that boat. So all of the blame does not go to Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants sucked all across the board. And more importantly, what I thought got lost in all of this, the person who came out the easiest, probably looked the worst on Sunday, was Eli Manning. He didn't play well at all. So, you know, he's probably sitting back. Yeah, he didn't want to have to answer any questions, but nobody was asking him why he was so bad, too. Because he wasn't that when he did have time to throw the ball, he was off. And like I said, there was no defensive back. There was no linebackers. There was no D lineman. Green Bay just beat him. I mean, Aaron Rodgers throws a Hail Mary (laughs) (laughs) at the end. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers do this, what, three or four times now? Ken, have you ever seen a a Hail Mary that easy? You know, normally a Hail Mary gets – batted around or a guy jumps up and, you know, he goes up and uses 42-inch vertical. I mean, Cobb catches it. It looked like... Behind, like, seven other guys. It looked like he threw it right to him. Exactly. It landed right right, right in his arms. And I was sitting there watching, I was sitting there watching it, and I just started yelling. I was like, oh, my... You know, like, he caught it because I didn't think he was going to catch it. It dropped right in his arm. Right in his arm. I mean, like, I almost cussed, but my daughter was sitting right next to me. Man, Aaron Rodgers was terrible that first quarter. He had, what, the Green Bay had seven yards? Mm-hmm. And something happened, and he just started lighting them up. Lighting them up. And, and there was nothing, nothing the Giants nothing, could do. This nothing. Great and we heard all about how great the Giants' defense was. Uh, there was, keep in mind, Green Bay was running some running back with number 88 on his back. And uh, I think some point in the first quarter, Jordy Nelson goes down with two broken ribs. Uh, So, and Rodgers still got it done. And that just speaks volumes about who Aaron Rodgers is as a quarterback. And we're going to see him this, you know, this weekend in a huge game against Dallas. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But just to close out the thought, man, I, 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 like I said, I agree with B, Ken and FIFO. Um, I just think, you know, if you're going to go kicking in Miami, just understand that there's consequences and repercussions that come with that. And if you're going to post something on social, and we talked about this at nauseum, you're going to post something on social media, you can't get mad when you get, you know, the the the, the pushback from that because there's going to be some fallout. I don't care if you're Odell Beckham Jr. soldier boy. I mean, there's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be some drama to come behind it. Uh, shout out to Shoulder Boy. Saturday, man, um, the Seattle Seahawks... The 12th man invades the Georgia Dome playing the Atlanta Falcons. That's a 435 kick. Uh, Seattle is 10 and 5, 10, 5 and 1, excuse me. And the Falcons are 11 and 5. As we know, uh, the Falcons went to Seattle and lost in a thriller earlier this season. Um, And who who do you have, FIFA, in this game and and, and why? I got the Falcons, man. Uh, What? What? Yeah, I got the Falcons. Stop the press. I know. Hey, look, 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 look. Sometimes, look. There's a time and a place to trust a Georgia team. This is the time and the place. And the reason being is because we have the highest scoring offense. And it's not a fluke. We've done it without Julio. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a much improved offensive line. We got a two-headed monster at running back. This is a strength-on-strength competition. We know that the 12th man 
and that Legion of Boom, that defense, it travels. Even without Earl Thomas, they're still pretty good. But, this is a big but, I don't think without Earl Thomas, they're good enough to beat one of the all-time best offenses. And for that reason alone is why I'm going with Atlanta. Again, Atlanta's not a fluke. And Seattle struggles to put up points. Now, they've gotten their running game going just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? With Rawls, he broke his leg, he's back. Had a big game last week. And Atlanta struggles against the run. So if Seattle can keep the time of possession Mm -hmm. and score better than 28, they really have a shot. I don't think that they can score 28. I think that's what's Mm going to hold them back. I think Atlanta is going to go ahead and put up over 30 again um, and win the game. I I just simply think without Earl Thomas, they need to be able to put up 30 points. They can't do that. They're not winning this game. So I got Atlanta all the way. Uh, I think Atlanta's actually probably going to score close to 40 against them without Earl. I think they're going to put up 35 or better. That That's just me. Okay. I, I think that's a, a, a little high, but I'm, I'm with you, FIFO. I, I got Atlanta too, man. I, I thought I was going to be the the, the uh, running solo on this one. Solo, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I you know, and I think I've said this before, maybe just talking offline uh, with you guys, that um, Seattle just without Earl Thomas, they're they're not the same. And they've struggled offensively, and I think they're going to struggle to put up points. And, um, and you know, you, you pretty much said it, that Matt Ryan, the MVP Matt Ryan, has been doing it with and without Julio. And they have a running game, and Vic Beasley on defense, who, who runs around and, and, and make plays. And I, I'm totally with you, man. I, I, I got the Falcons winning this game over Seattle, too. I think Seattle's time, their window, is, is almost up. But I got, I got the Falcons on this one. What about you, B? Uh, how do you see this one matching up? The uh, hometown Falcons hosting Seattle uh, Seahawks. Yeah, I got uh, this. Is one of my picks. I'm going with. I'm going with Falcons, man. Falcons. What? Yeah, I think Falcons gonna get it, man. I think. I think. I kind of think. I guess from a competitive standpoint, and we, we all know what happened with the last time they played them earlier this season. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta wanted them. I, I mean, I think once mm-hmm. you know, Seattle got that win, I, I didn't mean, think about. It. And then, they, and you know, they saw that they they got Seattle this time at their house. You know, last time they played Seattle. Now they mm-hmm. play them at, at the dome. I think Atlanta wanted that. I think they want this. I think I think they're definitely hyped that they get to see these boys again. Julio Jones is one hundred percent healthy. Mm-hmm. They, they, all of them seem they they their whole squad is healthy right now. I mean, I think I think they don't really have no like uh, uh like no no major injuries no major injuries for like any key players. So I think. Looking from this, I think Atlanta want this game and they want payback so bad. And what better time to get payback than in the playoffs and a, a chance to play in the NFC Championship game? So, and possibly at home, depending on what goes on in the Dallas and the Green Bay game. So, yeah, man, I think this was the game. Once they found out who they was matching up with, this was that circle. They they put that on there. It was like, okay, y'all got away. Y'all got away with one from us last time on y'all home. Guess mm-hmm. what? Y'all got to come to the dome, baby. So. We we want this win, so I that's why I'm going with Atlanta because I'm I'm thinking if I'm on the Atlanta team or if I'm one of the key players on the Atlanta team, I want Seattle. I want them. I want them. I want them. So yeah, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta gotta go with uh, go with the Falcons, man. I think I think they might they might they might be one of the top one of the teams that's gonna be playing in the NFC Championship game. 
I think so too, man. I, I agree, and I agree with everybody. Um, I think I think this is going to be the game. And I and, and I watched I watched the game earlier this season when the Falcons went out to uh, Seattle. Uh, of course, they lost that game twenty six to twenty four. The Falcons were driving. If you didn't see it, uh, it was a, a slobber knocker. The game was going back and forth. Now the one caveat. Uh, Earl Thomas played in that game, but Cam Chancellor didn't. Uh, however, but uh, the Falcons receivers were torturing. They were torching um, uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, and, I mean, this game was going back and forth. As I mentioned, the Falcons were driving uh, a controversial pass, a blatant pass interference call on Julio Jones by Richard Sherman uh, negated a a Falcons drive on fourth down, which would have put which assumingly Matt Bryant would have made like a 30-yard field goal uh, to win the game in Seattle. But I think, I, and I agree with Pete, just even as a fan, when I saw the playoffs matching up and, and the Falcons had secured the, the number two seed, I think they, they didn't mention it publicly. Um, and of course, the Falcons head coach, Dan Quinn, came from Seattle. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator uh, that led them to, to the uh, to the back-to-back Super Bowls. Um, they wanted this game. They wanted Seattle, and they wanted a chance to to prove that they could play against them and, and, and beat them. So I, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it'll be a close game. I think it's going to be a slobber knocker. But I agree with FIFO. Not having Earl Thomas, the Falcons can deal with Cam Chancellor, but I promise you, Earl Thomas, that particular game was everywhere. I mean, he... He he's just a he has a radar for the ball, but he's not having started a replace on that on that defense. Exactly, that exactly, defense. exactly. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Michael Bennett got knocked out of that game, and he subsequently missed a couple of games uh, with a knee injury. But even prior to him getting knocked out of the game, he wasn't much of a factor. Uh, I like the Falcons in this one. I think it's going to be a great game. That's the early game on Saturday. Uh, the primetime game, which kicks off at 8.15 on CBS, is the uh, Houston Texans, who are 9-7, and seven, uh, traveling to Foxborough uh, to play the New England Patriots uh, and Tom Brady, who are 14-2. and two. Uh, These two teams matched up earlier in the season. If I'm not mistaken, it was when uh, Jacoby Brissett was playing and Houston got rolled over <laughs> back then. Uh, Ken, how do you see this one, man? One playing out, man. Come on, man. I, we don't. Even... <laughs> um, yeah, we know the Patriots should 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 mop these boys. They could because they, uh, they got to go. Yeah, they got to go to New England too. Yeah. Man, with Brock Osweiler, you're in the Patriots. That's easy. <laughs> what about you, FIFO? Uh, New England versus uh, the Texans, man. Who you got? One word, Bill. <laughs> what about you, Beasy? Uh, Patriots. It's you know, <laughs> Patriots. Gotta go with the Patriots. Yeah, like yeah. like people said, one word, Bill. <laughs> so yeah, you got to You got to go with them, man. Yeah, I'm looking at the stat sheet here, man. Jacoby Brissett. Uh, this was when Tom Brady was uh, still on that uh, four game suspension for Deflate Gate. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was 11 for 19 for 100. He only threw for 103 yards. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt was 20. He had 24 rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the great Julian Edelman had four catches for 38 yards. And as you mentioned, Ken, Brock Osweiler, 24 for 41 for 196 yards, uh, no touchdowns and one interception. Um, I, Brock Osweiler is not getting any better. He's not going to, you know, 
Warren Moon's not walking through that door. So I, I'm I'm picking uh, I'm picking the Patriots reluctantly because uh, I just know better. Um, then we move on to Sunday. Uh, we got the early game. This one should be a great one, man. A, a great slobber knocker. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 11 and five, uh, traveling out to Kansas City to play in one of the loud loudest outdoor stadiums in the NFL against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, B, how do you see this one uh, shaping up? Ah oh, man, I'm gonna uh, go with Pittsburgh, man. I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh. If if you if you got Bell and Brown, two players who are the best at their position right now in the NFL, you got if if those boys rolling, man. If Antonio Brown's playing with that vengeance like he had against Miami Dolphins, because he said it, he wanted payback against the Dolphins because he had a bad game last time he played them. Oh, and Antonio Brown clown. So if they play with that. With that vengeance, man, and Bell do his, you know what Bell's gonna do, man. If Bell do his thing on the running game, and they both hitting on Steelers. I think, I think Steelers can get it, man. It's gonna be a tough game, though. It's gonna definitely mm-hmm. be a tough game, but I don't think it's gonna be like out, out the water like how Pittsburgh did Miami. But you know, I, I'm going with Pittsburgh. I'm going with the Steelers. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. It looks like yeah, they they played earlier this season as well. Pittsburgh won 43 to 14. How, how do you see this one for shaping out, FIFO? Hey, you already know. You 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 know who my Super Bowl picks are. <laughs> oh, I forgot. He for the year. I, I like look, man. I'm very confident in my picks. Um, I got the Steelers. I think it's gonna be very similar to the Atlanta Seattle game. Um, obviously Kansas City's defense is more intact right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's gonna be strength on strength. It's gonna be offense versus the defense, and, and we're gonna see. And my thing is, is I put money on Big Ben. I put money on Big Ben. Everybody seen them with the walking boot. People got. I ain't got no questions. Man. Big, mm-hmm. Big Ben is gonna come out here and play ball. Tell, tell me, ever since this man's rookie year, the 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 lights get brighter. There's more pressure, and he always performs. He always performs. I have no question that that offense is gonna come out there and they're gonna be able to outscore the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I agree with you, FIFO, because, like, even in the heyday, the in the Manning and Brady era that we were in, pretty much majority mm-hmm. 2000s, like, after them, you had to put Ben up there. Like, yeah. Big Ben yeah. was always – but he was always forgotten, though, because you always go with, yeah. like, the – you know, the Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers was up next, but no one never mentioned Big Ben. And it was like, oh. you know, you, you got you, you to gotta put him up there, man, like, when you start thinking of consistent – like you said – when when the, when the when the lights are bright, Big Ben. Think about think think about that Super Bowl against uh, Arizona when I had that Super Bowl party yes. at my spot. Yes. yes, you know what I'm saying. We're yes. watching this, and the whole time thinking, man, Arizona about to do it. I'm happy for Larry. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, 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 this old man Kurt Warner about to get another one. That's crazy. Yep. And then here come Big Ben, and I was like, wow, wow. nothing but respect. Man, that man done dropped the pass like it came from God himself yes. right here. <laughs> yes. you know what I'm like Big Ben, is he has the arm talent. He has the size. The he has a lot of Brett Favre toughness. in him. But, but he's, he's more collected. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't get as crazy. And, and you got to give him his props, man. And I think that this is the year that he can make the run. And the reason why I say that is, is because the AFC – hasn't been more vulnerable. 
Like, we always know the Patriots are going to be there. You're going to have to go through the Patriots as long as Bill is there and as long as that boy Tom is there. Bill and Tom. Them boys is in town. You're going to have to go through them. But they don't have Gronk. Their defense is always really good, but not like the best ever type defense. Mm -hmm. They've been playing good recently, though. Huh? I said that defense been playing good recently, though. No, no, no. They, they're good. Yeah. They're good. But I'm just saying, like, how how often are there an all-time great defense? They're always just really good. You know what I'm saying? So when you have two of the best offensive weapons, or the like you said, two of the the the, the best at their positions in the NFL, running back and wide receiver, you got to go up there and you got to make it happen. Like, like this is Ben's time. He he got he got to make it to the Super Bowl again. Can you imagine if he goes to Gillette Stadium and, and takes out Tom Brady to make it? <laughs> you, you, you know why? Because you know why people forget about Ben is because he got everything that's gonna be undeniably, unquestionably, at least a second ballot Hall of Famer, right? And you, he, mm-hmm. he's gonna get that. But like, if he gets this win and this Super Bowl, that that like. It's almost a. It's like you can't forget about really? Ben now. Yep. And but you know another reason too, FIFO too. I think is because he wins ugly. You know, it's not. Mm-hmm. He does. It's, it's never. It's never glamorous. It's never. It's never on a glamorous of a level of a Peyton Manning, an Aaron yep. Rodgers, or a Drew Brees. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Four hundred yards, four touchdowns. Yeah, no. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sometimes yeah. he's known for having those ugly wins, and they're not pretty. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like a like a San Antonio Spurs. Like how is this like they're always winning? <laughs> But it's like it's not enjoyable to watch, all uh, per se, whatever. But that's how Ben. That's how I think of Big Ben. I think sometimes people overlook him. It's like it's not glamorous. It's like it's not. Ooh, ah. It just he just knows when to get it done and win. That's it. Ken, what about you? Uh, how do you see this from shaping out, man? The Chiefs hosting the Steelers. Um. Yeah, I think this was kind of easy for me too. I'm gonna go with uh with Big Ben and and Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. They're gonna be really hard to stop, and I don't know how they're gonna. Like, you got to pick your poison, and, and and the Chiefs don't have Derek Johnson anymore. I know that defensive line is good, but you know the way that Le'Veon Bell runs the ball is so unorthodox. I've never seen anything like it before, where you just run up to the line and you just kind of just <laughs> jump <in> place, <laughs> and, and 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 then you just wait for the lines to to wait for the hole to open, and and, and I believe in Tomlin, man. I think I think that Steelers organization is playing for Mike Tomlin and they're going to come out and they're going to, they're going to put it to the chiefs. I think I, I, this was going to be, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a close game. I was very impressed. Uh, the few times that I, and I, I probably saw the chiefs more this year than I've ever seen them in previous years. Um, but ultimately it comes back to Alex Smith. <laughs> so I just I can't put a lot of trust in that even though he has played well but I mean offensively they've got Tyreek Hill who's a monster uh they run the ball well Kelsey is a beast I mean I, he may be one of the he may be the best tight end in the NFL right now um so the Steelers will have their hands full defensively that being said I just don't sit like you mentioned you got Bell, you got Brown, two of the best at their position. Um, Ben's a top five quarterback. I just don't see I think the Steelers find a way to win. They find a way to put up points. I just don't know that Kansas City will have enough, but it will be tough and it will be loud. Kansas City is one of the, if not the loudest outdoor stadium 
that we have in the NFL along with uh, uh, the stadium in Seattle. So that was going to be great. And then the nightcap, well, I shouldn't call it the nightcap, the Sunday afternoon sit on the couch, don't doze off special. Um, Green Bay going into Texas Stadium, into Jerry's world. Uh, to play the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, the Cowboys got the two rookies, uh, Dak and um, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. They got Des Bryant. They got the lore of the Cowboys, quote unquote, America's team. <laughs> Ken, how do you see this one shaping out, man? I have struggled with this game, man. Um, and. Everything points to Aaron Rodgers just doing what he's been doing for the last seven games, coming out there and lighting them boys up. He's going to be extremely tough to stop. But the one way you can stop him is you keep him on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And with Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, man, um, I, I really, 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 really want Dak and, and Dez and Zeke to win this game because I, I don't want to see them – do all of this for nothing, all of this hype. And I know the Cowboys fans will be damn near intolerable for a while. <laughs> but, you know, I, I I just, I like what Dak has done. And for him to go out and lose, basically be Romo-esque, well, this whole season will be for nothing. So, I'm going to go with the Cowboys, man. I, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Everything in me is, like, when I look at this game and the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, I should be picking Aaron Rodgers. Um, but no Jordy Nelson, no real running game, not like not like it's mattered. Um, but I think Dak is, Dak is on to something, man. And I think that they're going to be ready. And Zeke is going to be ready. And as long as they can run the ball and, and make, make enough plays, I like their chances. And um, so I'm going with the Cowboys, man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. B, what about you, man? How, how do you see this thing shaping out, man? Cowboys hosting the Green Bay Packers. Um, I guess if I was going to pick an upset pick out of all the matchups, I, would, I guess I would go with the Green. You know, this would, it's really not really an upset because it's not like mm-hmm. you're just counting out Green Bay or like Green Bay don't have a chance. But I just because they're the lower seed and – you know Dallas is the, is the number one seed, so um yeah I gotta go with this called double check man. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got I gotta go with this called double check man. Like I, I, it's just and he's won games without Jordy Nelson. Let, let let's not forget. Um, uh, so man, this dude is just on fire. He's playing lights out right now. He's playing like. He's kind of playing like he got something to prove, I guess, this season. Because, you know, of course, all, like, like I think I said this before, with all the talk going, you know, when it was four and six, all of a sudden his leadership is being questioned. And, oh, he's not a good leader now. And, all that, you know, all this, all this stuff started speculating. It's, it's amazing how stuff started coming out when you're losing. So it's mm-hmm. like all this stuff was going, going against the grain against Aaron Rodgers. And then, he, you know, he just says a light gesture. Oh, I think we can run a table. <laughs> and seven, <laughs> seven games later, this dude has what he, he what nineteen touchdowns, zero interceptions, like twenty two. Twenty two touchdowns. Uh, yep. And no interceptions. Yep. No, this dude is playing lights out. He's playing. I mean, and I think this is one thing that's scary too. Like when you when you're playing when you're a wild. This is a good thing when you're a wild card team is that you're playing. You're always playing. You're in the rhythm. So I think with Green Bay having having this streak going into the playoffs, they're in the rhythm. 
and I, I mean, right now, I don't see them, you know, slowing down anytime soon, you know, because in green, you know, with Dallas, they had that bye week. You know, sometimes with teams, and we've seen this before, sometimes when you have a bye week and you're in that rhythm, even though they lost to Philadelphia, but they kind of took a week off for that, that final week anyway. But, you know, when you're having this good rhythm, hey, we, we, we locked the division up, we playing good, then you just got to bye. Then you're off. You know what I'm saying? Then you're resting, which is good, but then you're just resting. You have a rhythm going on, and now I think that's this could – we shall see, though. This could hurt Dallas a little bit with them having that bye week in Green Bay. And Rodgers and company is just on the road, on the road, on the road. They playing. They in rhythm. Yeah, granted, they don't have Joey Nelson. It's going to hurt if they if he doesn't play. And, and you know, it, that's just somebody you don't have to worry about, which is good for Dallas. But he's one game without him. So, I, I, you know, you can't. The way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, man, I, I, I got to go with Green Bay. I got to go with Green Bay. You know, no. B, I, I, feel, I feel like this is one of those scenarios where the rest may actually help him. Because because Dak is so young, an extra week of being prepared can hurt because maybe you could be in your head a little bit too much. But I think in this instance, it's going to actually help this squad. I think your whole rhythm thing is 1000% accurate. But Dak is still learning the players. Like, Dak is still learning how to throw Dez open. Dak is still learning how to do a lot of those things. So I think this extra week actually helps them. But you already know my Super Bowl pick. And I ain't <laughs> going against it. I ain't going to. Because, look, man, I'm not betting against this man, Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. I'm, I'm just not. Like, we have to make decisions on the show. Sometimes they're based on facts. Sometimes they're based on emotion. This is partly emotional, but the way he's playing, man, like, look, man, this guy is unstoppable, unstoppable. This man had two Hail Marys in the Arizona Cardinal game last year. You know what I'm saying? Because you're talking about that the first one ain't count, so he come back and do it again. Do it again. Yep. He, 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 he does it against Detroit. He does it just this past week. I, look, man, it, it, he is Brady-esque. It, it honestly does not matter who you put around him, especially when he's playing like this because he's gone on hot streaks like this before. We've seen it the last time he won the Super Bowl. That's why he's going, man, he did all of this in the frozen tundra. What do you think it's going to be like when he's up here in Dallas in the mm-hmm. nice dome? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? With, with, with the roof closed. I and it pains me to do this, but I but on this show I have to be objective. I mean, anybody knows me knows how much I hate the Cowboys. I hope they go 0 and 16 every year. Uh, that being said, I think they will do everything that Green Bay is not as strong against the run. I got a chance to see Green Bay up and close and personal when they visited here to play the Falcons. The Falcons ran all over them that day, even though it was a, a great game and the Falcons won by one at the end of the game. Um, but Green Bay struggles against the run. The Giants couldn't run because, you know, Green Bay had no reason to respect the run because Odell and the guys are dropping passes. But one thing we do know that Dallas is going to do, they're going to run the ball. They, they make no bones about it. You know, it's it's and Dallas presents a, a, a problem for most teams, not just because they're good, but because it's almost like because they use the run to set up the pass wherein most teams use the, the pass to set up the run. It's almost like, you know, you're playing against a team, you know, most nights you're playing against a team like the Warriors that like to shoot threes. Well, this team is the team that likes to throw the ball inside and dominate inside, and then they start kicking it out for threes. Um, 
So I, I like, I like, I think Dallas wins a close one. I think ultimately what they'll do is just lean on them and they, they're going to keep Rodgers and that offense off the field. That's the only way that you can stop Aaron Rodgers. You got to keep him off the field and cut down on his possessions. Because if not, if he has the time, and, and we saw him on Sunday, I don't know what the Giants defensive line was doing, but you can't ask a defensive back to cover a receiver for eight seconds. I mean, like, it's impossible. And I mean, he's back there, he's dancing, he's, and, and, you know, unlike any other quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, like you said, FIFO, he's going to throw guys open. And he will much rather take a sack than to, now he's not going to turn the ball over, but he's looking to make a play. And and I think, you know, that's the thing that Dallas is, now Dallas has a pretty good pass rush, but they're going to have to get out to Aaron Rodgers and get him off his spots um, to be successful. But I, I like Dallas winning a close one, maybe by a field goal um, to close out uh divisional weekend. Um, so I think it's, I think I, I'm hoping and praying with the exception probably, probably of the New England game. I think we're in for a great set of games on, on this coming weekend. Um, as I mentioned at the top, uh, you know, the games from last week, you know, a little anticlimactic, if you will, but I think we're in for some pretty good games. Um, yeah, before we get out of here, I'll give you my closing thought. Uh, one thing I will say is that I am, I have my eyes open. And what I mean by that is that uh, I'm looking at the NFL this time of year, there's a lot of coaches getting hired and fired. Uh, we just found out that Doug Marone was hired as the Jacksonville head coach, uh, the former Buffalo Bills head coach. Um, I just got a tweet not too long ago that the uh, somebody was looking at hiring uh, McDermott from the, uh, let me take a look. The Buffalo Bills are finalizing a deal to name Sean McDermott, who's the Panthers defensive coordinator head coach. Um, I'm interested to see how many of these candidates and potential coaches are of color. Um, it's funny. My wife and I were sitting down the other day and she said, well, how many black coaches? She just randomly asked me, how many black coaches in the NFL? And I said four. And I just said it off the top of my head without even thinking. And then I had to run them down to figure out who, you know, who was where or what have you. Um, but in a league that is 80% black, I think we as fans need to make sure that these teams are held accountable. I know that the Rooney rule is in effect, but for all of these job openings, you got to find, and, and don't be, and don't bring guys in just for token interviews. Nobody wants to be a token interview. If you're, if you are serious about hiring somebody of co particularly some, uh, a coach of color, be serious about it and, and make sure that he is a viable candidate. I think, now I'm not saying that, that you got to hire somebody just because they're black, but in a league that's 80% black, I think you should have some black faces on the sideline, not just assistant coaches. Um, so as a fan, man, I'm keeping my eye on that. And I think that we as fans need to hold our prospective teams feet to the fire, especially when we see the same old boys getting job after job after job, and they happen to be white, and more importantly, they suck. That's my final thought. You know what? I got one slight criticism, Kyle. Go ahead. You got guys like Joey Porter not giving us a, a good name. So, you know, it, it happens. So it, there's two sides to it. It you is. Know, there's, there's, there's two sides to it. Yeah, but Earth, they out there popping pills. <laughs> hey, hey, I ain't say they ain't doing nothing. <laughs> I ain't say that. That's not my point. <laughs> I'm just saying. You, you know, know what, people, that, that's a good point. But I think 
you know, even a guy like Joey Porter, who is what he's been on a coaching staff for like the last two or three years, he's not somebody who was probably ready to become a head coach. But you got, you know, some of these coordinators around the league who have been, you know, coordinators for a couple of couple of years. And, you know, we see these guys. I mean, just look here in, in Atlanta. I mean, we saw Dan Quinn become, you know, a viable candidate. Now, subsequently, the the head, the def- defensive coordinator in Seattle right now, I can't remember his name, but he's a brother. I'm not hearing his name spread around, you know, and that Seattle, de- that Legion of Boom defense is still the same. coaching job from Seattle, didn't he? Todd Bowles, yeah, Todd Bowles. Oh, right. No, so, he so, came so, from, I think he came from Seattle. Yeah. He came from Seattle too, didn't okay, he? Okay, okay. He came from, I can't, you might he be right. He came from Seattle. He was okay. a position coach in Seattle. Okay. So, no, so, I'm, and I'm not saying that that we that we don't have. I mean, if, if there's only four black head coaches in a league where there's 32 teams, the numbers don't add up to me. That's all I'm saying. And I, I don't want to see these because before they can make a a a hire, you have to at least interview a candidate, the person of color. And I'm tired of seeing just these guys just being interviewed just because just to get the just to meet the quota of the interview when you're not seriously considering hiring these guys for these positions. I, I'm tired of the good old boy. I'm tired of seeing some of these other coaches recycled and recycled and recycled. That's all I'm saying. B, you got a final thought for us? Um, I think I've witnessed probably one of one of the greatest college basketball comebacks I've ever witnessed. Um, Nevada was trailing New Mexico 90 to 76 with like about a minute and 10 seconds left. Mm. Nevada came back, tied the game up, went into overtime, took the lead and won. You guys have to see this to believe it. It's like crazy. I'm going to actually shoot y'all a link to it. Man, it's okay. easily probably one of the top three college comebacks I've ever seen, man. Like, I, I it's cr- you up by 14 points with like a minute, barely over a minute left to go, and Nevada comes back and win, man. Sends it to overtime and win the game. So. That's all I got. I, 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 I just thought I had to get that off my chest because that was one of the craziest comebacks I've ever seen. Oh, I got something. Go ahead, Ken. Oh, yeah, I got something. It's for uh, the speaks for yourself crowd. Colin Cowherd, you got caught. You got caught calling Clemson a fraud, and you got called out. And, you know, I'm not saying you need to apologize. I'm not saying anything like that. Um, but you got to own it. And um, and and that's that. And I'm, I'm a lot of people are saying that he should take the high road. You just won a national championship, and that speaks for itself. And blah blah blah. Nah, call these guys out, call them back out, and and let them know that if they do get something wrong, they it, it can't continue to be one sided. So I'm all with that. The second thing is this, Jason Whitlock. You sound like a clown. <laughs> arguing against T.O. going into the Hall of Fame for reasons other than his stats. And you're taking the, the Skip Bayless approach and his lane. You sound corny. You're coming up with all of these points and counterpoints, this, that, and the other. And every time when you have a guy that's a Hall of Famer, Chris Carter, Shannon Sharp, when you, Eric Mangini, you have all these people that's arguing and refuting your points with facts, refuting your points that you arguing against them with, with counterpoints to that, and and you just keep trying to change the narrative. Just give it up, man. Quit trying to be a contrarian. 
Let that man get in based on what he's done. He's top five in receiving yards. Quit trying to say he's tore he tore teams down and you know he did this, that, and the other. When you got Lawrence Taylor in the uh in, in the Hall of Fame. So stop it, man. Just stop trying to be that guy. Enough's enough. Enough's enough, man. And and, and we're tired of it. Quit cooning. That's it. <laughs> FIFO, close it out for us, man. Oh, man. Um, I can't close it out any better. Um, I, I Actually, I was going to talk about, um, you know, the whole T.O. thing and how there's certain people that are saying he doesn't belong. And I just think it's the most asinine thing ever. Um, when you listen to a Shannon Sharp saying he is the second best wide receiver to play football. How how is this? It's like saying Kobe can't make the the the, the Hall of Fame because because you know he would cuss teammates out or or because because he got a couple coaches fired. Are you are you kidding me? Are, so so that negates him being the second best at his position all time. No, come on, man. That 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 just sounds completely ridiculous. And, and I respect Skip a lot. Just this. I, I just got to shake my head to the people <laughs> that don't understand why T.O. should have been a first ballot Hall of Fame. Hands first down. First ballot. So that's all I had. Thank you, Ken, for leading me that way. Hands down. Hands down. Yo, that's going to that's gonna do it for us for this week, man. We want to thank everybody for checking out a podcast. Uh, make sure that you pass the word. Uh, we're going to be on all the socials as we've always been in all the other platforms. Uh, we'll be tweeting it out, um, letting people know that we've changed our format, but it's still dead in sports. It's still the place where, where sports opinions collide. Uh, we're still going to give you that heat each and every week. So make sure that you come back next week. We'll have uh, the wrap up of the uh, NFL uh, divisional round. And of course, we didn't get into it today, but on, next week we'll definitely get into some NBA talk. A lot of stuff going on in the NBA uh, as we move closer and closer to the All-Star break. Uh, all-star selections. We'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, some of the players that have really, really shined uh, coming up to this point. So trade make sure. Was oh yes, yes, yes. The trade deadline. We've already seen a couple of players get moved. Um, the Cavs made a move. Uh, so a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about. So we're going to balance it out with the NFL. We don't have college football, so we'll be talking more NFL as well as uh, pro basketball, as well as college basketball as well. So. Uh, make sure that you pass the word. Once again, the place where sports opinions collide. Uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. I am your host, 12 Kyle. Joining me, my boy FIFO, BZ, and Ken. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll holler at you next week. Peace. 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 Sissy.